few of our graduates. Do you guys have that ready up there? Launch that thing. There we go. video I thought but you know what it was a great video <laughs> can you give it up for our tech team they're incredible I don't know how they pull off everything they're incredible well I'm excited to share with you tonight I hope you're excited to receive pastor Brent thank you for leading us tonight I want you to know what an awesome man of God you are and the example that you've been to me we are all so excited for this season ahead in your life. And I just, this may be the only moment that I get up here to be able to say this, but Heather and I love you. You've impacted us deeply. And uh, we're excited for you and Casey and the kids and what God's going to do. You are, the way, the way that you display a pure heart of love for God, for your wife, for your kids, and for your church family, your community, it's pretty awesome. Can you guys give it up for Pastor Brent tonight? Thank you, Lord. We've been in a series on generations. Pastor Tom launched us. It was last week, right, Pastor Tom? Two weeks ago? Something like that. Okay. Good thing there's grace in here tonight. Okay. Um, and talking about our youngsters, and I'm really, really blessed tonight to get to talk about this middle school, high school, and college age. They are amazing. Um, it was uh, pretty emotional for me tonight to just sit and think through the journey getting to be here for 10 years of these graduates' journey as they've been maturing and moving towards Christ and seeing the breakthroughs and seeing the challenges. And uh, isn't it cool to have, to have roots, you know, in a, in a, not only in a community but in a church and to be able to see and celebrate victories and cry together, move together through things. And so, graduates, I know you're all over the room. I just want you to know you're amazing. And uh, we're incredibly proud of you. I want to take you first tonight as we dive into the word to a scripture that became absolutely dear to me many, many years ago. I actually stole it from one of my former students. Becca Schaub, if you're watching tonight, it was Sprague High School. I don't remember what year it was. It was too long ago. But she, was, she snuck some scripture, Pastor Tom, into the graduation speech. She didn't say it was scripture, but she gave this as scripture. And I thought it was awesome, and it became one of my favorites after that. And it says this, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. And those are the five rocks that I just kind of want to settle on tonight that I think are going to speak to everyone in the house, and I think there are five areas where God is always developing us. Would you agree? How many would say that your speech is important? You can build and destroy in about two seconds. <laughs> your life, what your life says, the, the, the way that you love God and the way that you love other people, right? Your faith. And your purity, I think it's interesting that he lands on that one. Of course, this is coming 
out of Paul and uh, his journey is just very interesting to me. And I just believe tonight that it's going to settle in you and it's going to speak to you. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you tonight that you see every heart. I thank you that you know every heart. You know right where we're at. You know what we're wrestling through. You know what, what we're holding on to in victory and what we're believing for, God, in this season ahead. And I thank you that every person is here on purpose tonight and that you're going to do something significant in their heart, not because of me, but because your word speaks in spite of me, in spite of us. Your word is powerful. And uh, it's, it's, Scripture says in 2 Timothy 3.16, it's God-breathed. God, would you breathe your word on us tonight? And may we be ready to receive it. May we be good soil, as the word says. In Jesus' name, amen. I was thinking back over my journey, and uh, it's kind of what happens when you come to mile marker moments. And um, as I've been watching these graduates finish this season and just celebrating with them, and I, I was thinking back to the foundation that God built in me. I grew up in King's Circle Assembly of God. Raise your hand if you've ever been there, Corvallis, Oregon. Many of you've been there. Grew up there. Got a strong foundation of the Word underneath me. Uh, but I had some issues. Anybody have any issues that God kind of is bringing you through, right? Um, some areas where God had to develop me. And, and the easiest way to describe it is one word, which is just rebellion. It was mostly passive rebellion. I was sneaky, and I knew how to get my way, and uh, I knew how to make it look kind of okay in the process. <laughs> I was definitely, uh, I had a lot of Jacob in me as I was growing and I was learning. But uh, God really, uh, in, my, in my teen years, up until my early 20s, um, there was a season there where, man, it was, there was a war going on. It was like two cats in a bag, and who was going to win? I knew Christ, but I hadn't given him lordship of my life. Can anybody relate to me right now? And there was, there was a lot that God was developing, even in the middle of seasons of sin. And then in my 20s, because I have a mom and a dad that just kept praying and praying and praying. In my early 20s, God just flipped me. And I'm so great that he did. Are you grateful that you got flipped? Every time I see pancakes flipped, I'm like, that was me. And uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm grateful for every piece of the journey. I wish that there were some chapters that I could have just given him. Uh, but I'm grateful to be standing before you tonight and I do so in humility, knowing that I can't take credit for anything. I give him all the glory, amen? My story is his story. I see a strength in this generation that I want you guys to capture tonight. I've gotten to hang out with kids for something like 17 years, and it's been a joy. And um, there is there's a gift that's on them. There's a strength. There's a persistence. I watched how they walked through this last season with COVID and just see the spirit in which they've overcome obstacle after obstacle. To see our youth group packing in back there in spite of all the challenges. It was incredible. I see a calling on their life that I, I, I think sometimes we get these, disc part of the reason we're doing this series is because we want to learn how to move together. The, the legacy over this church with the generations, would you agree that it's beautiful? 
We have to learn to cherish one another. Would you agree? As the younger crowd has got to learn how to grab on to the wisdom and grab on to the faithfulness of the older generation. You know, and then the older crowd maybe in that process is learning to be able to say, I see what God's building there. And I'm going to cheer that on, amen? I'm going to cheer it on. I'm going to see that, that strength getting, you know, getting turned. And that certainly, if you were to look at seasons of my life, you wouldn't have said, that's strength. You would have said, that's misguided at best. <laughs> you might have said there was influence, but you wouldn't have said that it was rooted in the right things. But I believe tonight as we... As we start to dissect this portion of scripture that um, each one of us is going to see our own journey. And I believe God's going to give you all at least one thing that you're going to get encouraged and then also to get challenged. Amen? That scripture I shared earlier, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. There was no part of me early on that wanted most of that scripture. Anybody with me? It's all God breathed. It's beautiful. It's useful for teaching. That's good. Rebuking? What? Training? I didn't accept that part real well. But I am grateful as I've started to fall more and more in love with Jesus and let him have more and more corners of my heart that I've learned to love that piece of him, learned to love the corrections. I want to start off by talking about speech that honors. I want to take you to this the story of Nehemiah, and I'm just briefly going to touch on a few people that I think kind of outline this well. Of course, Nehemiah was the cupbearer for the king of Persia, King Artaxerxes, and God had given him a lot of influence, and uh, Israel uh, was in a mess. Jerusalem was uh, torn down, and in 52 days, this guy, not only did he go and, and take a very risky moment. He knew how to use his words. He knew how to use his influence. He knew how to choose his moments carefully. Because he had lived a consistent, faithful life, God allowed him to be listened to at a very, very key moment. Would you agree? If he had wasted his words on a regular basis, if you know and understand history in this time, I mean, likely he would have been dead, number one. But because of faithful living, the king noticed that his disposition was just even a little bit off and asked him, what's going on? That's faithful living before God. He had learned how to use his words well. And in this moment, he, he articulates what's going on, and God then takes him from there. He gets blessed. He gets every resource he needs out of that key relationship. And in 52 days, rebuilds what, what hadn't happened in years upon years upon years. People had just settled with the walls just being down. It's just what it's going to be. And Nehemiah said, this is wrong, and I'm going to do something about it. I want you guys to see tonight, I think it's an example to what God wants to do with this next generation. I believe that he wants to rebuild things through them, and we need to be cheering them on. I believe that there's influence that's going to come out of this younger generation, but they need the wisdom. They need prayer covering. There's, there's, unique, there's a unique calling and an ability to communicate. There's never been a generation that's been raised with more unique forms of communication. Would you agree? 
I certainly was. I mean, cell phones weren't even around, Pastor Tom, until I was out of college. Well, they may have been around before then, but I couldn't afford one. And I remember the first day that I got this huge brick of a phone, and my mom let me take it out to the golf course. And I was on the sixth hole, I'll never forget it, and I made a call to my dad, and I, was, I felt like the king of the world. <laughs> Probably made my golf bag twice as heavy. But there's, commu- there's, a, there's, a, there's a gift to communicate, I believe. God is going to start to move in powerful ways where we, we might look at it and go, man, what a mess. Look at, look at the way these devices and look at the way these different forms of media are being used and misused as opposed to, God, you are going to teach this generation to do things that we never thought could ever be done. 52 days, Right? And that was then. What could God do in 52 days now as hearts start to get set apart for him in a deeper and more significant way? This is a verbal generation, a a generation that I believe God wants to use to communicate his message in unique ways. And I want to encourage you tonight to say, God, would you breathe on that? Would you... Would you pour creativity on them? I have the kids all the time take out their, their phone before we, we start a night, and I say, come on, lay your hands on that thing. This can either be a tool for building the kingdom or tearing it down. Would you agree? And that goes for everyone in here. I'm speaking to the entire room, by the way. Right? Is this, and sometimes it's not even anything sinful. It's just time-wasting. And I believe God wants to start to show us how to use these tools. And you know, if I want something done in this, other than calling my wife, I call my youngest kids. Honey, my phone won't work. And she's got like 16 people coming to her as tech support, because she's brilliant at this. But next it's, it's Aiden, or then it's Asher, or whatever, you know, and we, it's amazing. They get it. By the way, that's to anybody older in the room. If your phone is stuck in some weird mode tonight, Just go find somebody young. It'll be solved in a couple minutes, okay? There's a couple keys to speech that moves God. Speech that will rebuild. Rebuild family lines. Amen? Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let anyone, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So keys to speech that move God is that it has to be pure. Not just talking about purity in in the absence of cursing or the absence of coarse language, but does my language have the fragrance of honor? And I think it's important. God, God runs this filter through my life all the time. Was that necessary? Did that build anybody up? Did that encourage anyone? I know I'm not messing with anybody right now, okay? Psalms 19, 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my God and my Redeemer. From a guy that Pastor Tom was talking about this morning, David, who had some issues, right? He was gifted in that area, but sometimes your gift can get in the way, can't it? And he would trip, and he would make mistakes, God had given him influence, though. we got to pray for that, that speech to start to become submitted to God, learning to give God 
the call, the anointing, the gift on our life? And, and the secondly, is our speech true? Psalms 24, 3 and 4. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands, a pure heart, doesn't lift up his soul to an idol and doesn't swear by what is false. If God's going to trust a generation to speak for him, he'll go after truth. Can you remember when God started to go after truth in you? I didn't really know I had a lying problem until I asked God whether I had a lying problem. And then he started to say, mm, yes. Because <laughs> I was getting serious. I wanted God to get to some areas where I just felt like there was some immaturity in me. Do you know you don't have to wait for somebody else in your life, Pastor Tom, or uh, even a mentor in your life? If you know there's an area of weakness in your character, call it out yourself. Father, I don't know where this came from. I'm asking you to mature me. I need some scripture on this. And then I'm going to take it and I'm going to bring it before authority. Would you hold me accountable to start to grow in this area where I don't understand why my tongue just keeps getting me in trouble? You know? There's all kinds of creative ways to, to say, God, I want to start to mature in that area. I want to mature. I want to grow with you, Father. I don't want any part, nook and cranny of my life to be a discouragement to someone else. But I have to be willing to look at those things. What am I going to build my life on? Whose words am I going to build my life? Whose opinion am I going to build my life on? Grace, that's why I love that song tonight. I love that you guys chose that song. I will build my life upon your word. Upon your word. This is my opinion in a world full of opinions right now. Would you agree? This is it. When somebody wants to know your opinion on some touchy subject that you know is going to bring division, now there's times that we need to speak boldly if we think it's significant and important. But I, I want you to understand, this is, this is my go-to. What does God's word have to say about it? Amen? It has to become the foundation. Has to become the foundation. Luke 6, 45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If you fill your heart with his word, it will come out. If you fill your heart with other things, how many know it will come out? Have you ever had something come out of you and you thought, I cannot believe I just said that? It was in my heart, though. You have to be willing to take inventory of what, if, especially if there's a pattern. Learning to know your own heart. Learning to see the area where you struggle. This word right here, when you're talking about gaps even between generations, I think this is the translator. Because this is the thing we should all be going to and be saying, I don't. I don't understand that or I don't understand that, but we all understand what God has to say here, right? God, would you connect our hearts on this? A commitment to store God's word up in our heart. A commitment to learn to how to have this be the thing that our speech is founded on. I want God to do that in a deeper way in this season ahead of my life. I'm calling myself out right now. I want to learn to let my speech be led by what he has to say. Number two, I want to encourage you tonight to live a life worth repeating. Live a life worth repeating. I was thinking 
of the life of David. You know, he, they don't know exactly, but it was somewhere between 10 to 15 years old when he was anointed king. Pretty cool. All he was doing was being faithful and moving with God, taking care of sheep, minding his own business, forgotten of, it seems like, by his family, at least not holding some prominent spot in the household, but just being faithful and making the most of every opportunity. Obviously, his heart was in tune with the Lord, and there was something that God was drawn to in him. At such a young age, I want you to know there's no junior version of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? So when we see God moving in our youngsters, I remember having a, my son at like four or five years old, I was going through some pretty significant health things. Allie shared her testimony. I've actually experienced the exact same thing with uh, a growth on my thyroid, having to go have biopsies and all that. And I remember my little man, Asher, just laying his hands on me and just praying over me and just we- I was just weeping. It was the most beautiful prayer. You ever want to get crazy blessed? Just ask one of these young kids that's in love with Jesus to just lay their hands on you and pray for you. There's a reason God calls us to become like children. Pastor Tom, Tom shared about that in our, a couple weeks ago when we started this series. I want to encourage you tonight. Sometimes we overcomplicate this whole thing to come back to the basics and say, God, I want to have a simplicity in my spirit. I want to be drawn to you. I want to live a life worth repeating for you. I want to take you to 1 Samuel 6, 11 through 13, just give you a couple verses. So he asked, he asked Jesse, are all your sons, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. Uh, we will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. Samuel then went to Ramah. (laughs) I want to encourage you tonight to say, Father, I want to be faithful in the field you have me serving in. There's so many times that we want the upgrade. We want God to move us from here to there. And it's like, God, I want this to, this has to become the greatest sheep pen ever that you've given me. If it's Walmart, if it's McDonald's, if it's a construction site, if it's a doctor's office, wherever it is, God, I want this, I need you to do it in my heart. Like David, faithfully taking care of that field. I want, I want my boss, no matter who he is, no matter how much I like him or not, I want him to feel like he cannot run this place without me. Colossians 3.23, do everything as if you do it unto the Lord. The more that you dislike the job, it should fuel you all the more. God, I want graduation, but I know you're not going to move me on if I'm bitter. You're not going to move me on. He will not graduate a spirit that is off. More than likely, if he moves you out of there, you'll go right back into something very similar until you learn to overcome that, until you learn to say, God, I'm going to praise you and I want to have some influence in this place. If I'm going to walk this out every day, I want people to get blessed I want you to, number one, deal with me. Deal with my attitude. This field, God, this is beautiful soil that I get to work on a daily basis. Will you help me to where when people see the life I'm living here, they're wanting to repeat it. Right? What's the fragrance that's going on? 
You may not think that God sees you in this season. You may not think that he understands. But God, I'm doing this. But God, he says, I see you. I've got you. What you're doing is significant if you do it for me. I had a season. You can ask my dad where I started to complain about too much work. God let me experience no work. Wasn't fun. And I promised him I'm never complaining about that ever, right? Dad, Dad's like, yeah, please don't ever pray that prayer again. Work went away in October. Slate was cleared. I worked full time while I was on unemployment as we just worked our way through that. I was the only one that could do that at the time. And I mean, we saw God come through for us in awesome ways. I hold on to that little work source card because I never want to forget. Never forget the moments where God came through for you like that. We have a choice, though, don't we? How long they last. If we whine our way through them, they usually last longer. If we worship our way through them, it's like, it's amazing. Whatever time you have left in it, it almost becomes fun. All right, God, I'm going to see what you're going to do. Paul said it this way, Ephesians 4.1, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Come on. Live a life worthy of the calling God has placed on you. Some of us are living well beneath what God has called us to. And I'm, I'm the first one to say on a daily basis, God, if there's any area where I'm settling, I want to know. Is anybody with me? Anybody want to know in here? We have to want to know the areas where we're off. I think so many times we avoid it. No, 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 no. And we have to learn how to go, come on. And I'm th the greatest way to know you're off is right here. You look into a mirror and you're like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit goes, that was you. <gasps> you're right. And it's, it's fun to learn that way. Did you know? You can learn to enjoy that. You can learn to enjoy the growth process because you get excited. You're like, all right, God. All right, I think of Paul's life, interesting journey. He's writing this as a prisoner, right? He thought he was doing the right thing, persecuting Christians, but when, when God lit the fire in him on the road to Damascus, everything changed for him, and I was thinking about this, everything in that moment changed for me too. His example, many people say, apart from Christ, is the most powerful because of the transformation that happened. So radically moving this way to so radically moving to shipwreck three times, nothing can stop me. I'm never going back. I know what God saved me from. I can't take even any credit for my conversion. God met me. I'm going to make every day count. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Pastor Tom talked about it this morning. Find people that you want to imitate what's going on in them. Amen? You will imitate something. Whoever you draw near, have you ever done that? Have you ever just been around people a little bit and all of a sudden you're using all their phrases? And you're like, what, what in the world? Why did I say that? It's a human condition. There was not a bone in my body that loved this book growing up. I'm going to tell you, I, I loved it from a distance, but I just, I didn't love to read. I didn't love sitting still. I didn't love, I didn't really love wisdom. That's the truth of it. 
But as I learn to start to enjoy his presence, and it, it's, it's like your diet changes, and you start to learn to depend on it. Come on, let's learn to depend on his word as the thing that's going to set our heart in this next season and set the course for our life. Speech, life, and third, love. Check your love. Love that brings change. In a world that pollutes and waters down just about everything that's pure, we find a perfect description of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I was thinking of this verse today because Heather and I, we were married. Hopefully, I got this right, sweetie. 98, right? Okay, good. Right. I'm not in trouble. Um, and our grandpas read this verse. And um, I was prepping tonight, and I was thinking about them. And uh, heroes in both of our lives, and, and both of them were precious people that just displayed love to us. And they, they each read half of that. I think the whole chapter. If you want to get encouraged about what God is trying to develop in you, read that chapter. It's the character of Christ. It's the heart of Christ. What do you mean, Aaron? Are you trying to say that I'm going to always be patient, always be kind, never envy? No, but when you have these moments, if you're letting God work this in you, it's amazing how daily we can become more like him. But you have to desire this. You have to be willing to see the areas of your heart where it might be off. Matthew 5, 43, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. I was thinking about this verse and I was just, I'm so proud to be part of this church. I love the way that we love each other. I mean that. Not perfect, but growing and learning how to love each other. I see that. One of my, my, my favorite job here is in the lobby, getting to just see the joy of the Lord come through the doors in the 830 service. It challenges me with, with every smile and this conviction that God is going to do something awesome today. I want you to know that that speaks to someone who's still growing in the disciplines and learning to be faithful. Thank you for the witness that I see there. There's love in here. Amen? Top to bottom. Love is the thing that is going to bring the change that we all desire and want to see. Undeserved love really affects people. Would you agree? Especially when a person knows, I didn't deserve that. These are the moments that breakthrough comes. Unreturned love. I don't know about you, but God had to get at me a couple years ago because I realized that there was parts of me that even in my tithing and my giving, it was like I was giving with an expectation of, like, not like I was wanting to twist his arm, but like, well, that's where blessing comes from, so of course I'm on that, as opposed to just out of love. If you never did another thing for me the rest of my life, 
This is my, the greatest privilege I have is anything I have is yours. As opposed to 10%? Really? I remember when that, that journey started. I remember that journey when I was on unemployment. 10%? And God said, just walk with me, Aaron. Just trust me. Funnest journey you'll ever have. He will blow your mind at how he will take care of you. Blow your mind. We got to take care of Heather's grandma in that season. She lived with us for three years. We thought it was going to be maybe six months or something like that. She was getting ready to go home to be with the Lord. And uh, it was just such a privilege to be able to have her there. And I tell you, if she hadn't been there in that season, she took care of us while we took care of her. When the fridge went out, we had no way to cover it. You know, she bought us a fridge. She did try to light my house on fire. I don't appreciate it. <laughs> she left cookies, and she got up in the middle of the night, and her little belly turned the knob and lit it on fire. And she was sweet. <laughs> Not my favorite way to wake up in the middle of the night. I miss her. Above all else, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. We have to be quick to forgive and to cover each other's sin. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one another uh, of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Leviticus 19, 18. Love that brings change releases for good. It's done. I'm not holding it over you. And for some of us, that's, it's a challenge because we never saw anybody model that for us. All you saw was somebody say they forgave you and then bring it back up at every hard moment. That is not God. That is not who he is. And we have to learn to even forgive those people because most of them just learned it from someone else. Hurt people, you know the, the phrase, hurt people. And we can learn how to just pour out more and more and more love in return. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Romans 12, 9 and 10. <clears throat> I want to set my compass on what he says love is. And the most important ingredient, especially in the body of Christ that we have to understand, is people. And people are messy. Would you agree? I could give you a piece of paper, and every one of you could give me a list of the people that are the most messy in your life right now. You know it. Okay? Just put it out of your mind right now. Or we can just love them. And it does take grace. It does take, there are people that are EGR, extra grace required. Okay? And we love them. This is how it's said in 1 John 4, 9. This is how God showed us his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us universal language of the spirit love changes everything I was thinking of one of my heroes Mother Teresa and I know many of yours but just 
loving on dying babies affected the entire world. We're called to have that exact same spirit here flowing through us on a daily basis. I see that in every corner of this church as we're going into the prisons, into the nursing homes, and I'm so grateful for protocols changing and all that so that we can get back to everything that God has called us to. But I thank you, every one of you that goes and serves and shares and gives of your time and your energy to love on the little kids. We need, we need more helpers with our growing family. We have amazing leaders here in this church, but they need your support. And even if it's not you, you may know somebody else who needs to step up and start to love. And one of the things that when love starts to get stuck in us, I want you to know what happens. When, when you start to go, oh, I don't really want to move, it's like when you start to make everything about other people, it's like it, you can start to increase again. I don't know why I'm stuck and I, I don't feel like I'm growing. Just start to pour out love on other people. Get anybody you can on the phone and just start praying for them. Start to move in the opposite spirit and you'll see God start to increase you again. It's like a dam getting opened up and water just starts to flood out. God will teach you how to do that. Do everything in love, 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Everything comes and flows out of that. Number four, faith that moves. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I asked God a few years ago for a greater measure of faith because I was just kind of unimpressed with the level of my prayers. Can anybody relate? They were just weak, and I just recognized that this was an area I needed to grow. And I want to encourage you tonight. This is something that's supposed to increase in us. Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I was thinking of the life of Daniel. Daniel was a gifted Jewish leader uh, from Jerusalem, taken into captivity uh, under the King Nebuchadnezzar, Babylonian king. And God displayed his favor on Daniel in such an awesome way. His faith speaks. Do you know he served five different kings? Five kings. Imagine serving five different presidencies where somebody came and they said, okay, I don't agree with anybody, but I can't run the place without him. That's Daniel. And he refused to settle in any way. I will not worship anything other than my God. The standard will not change. I mean, he was uncompromising in that way, and yet he learned how to have great influence and how to honor authority at the same time. How many would think that maybe we could learn from that kind of influence right now in a divided nation? Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's by grace through faith. Interesting partnership. Grace through faith. His unmerited favor and me standing in faith and making a decision, God, I believe that you are who you say you are. You know, we get saved, right, with a spoken word and a faith in our heart. And that sometimes we stop right there. Would you agree? I had faith to learn how to get saved, and then I got in the tank, and I got baptized, and then I got filled with the Spirit, and then I kind of petered out after that. And that was just supposed to be the beginning. 
And some of us settle right there. Those are all absolutely crucial, important steps to us becoming the disciple that God has called every one of us to be. But I want to encourage you tonight to start to take a step forward and say, God, any part of my life where I'm not moving in the level of faith that you you designed me to move in. I mean, we look at these stories in the Bible. I look at Daniel's life and I go, God, I don't see all of that on display. So God, increase me. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We've been justified and given access by faith. I think those are powerful statements. Faith is crucial that we do not just settle. Scripture says if you have faith just as big as a mustard seed, you can speak. And so I'm like, Father, I haven't seen a mountain move yet. So, But I have learned in the past few years to start to expect God to be everything he said he was in Hebrews 13. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? So that one, one of this generation, some of these grads, expect God to move in the same way he did for these amazing heroes of the faith. You know, whether we're 85 or 5 in this house, we need to expect God to move, amen? And to be speaking in faith over each other. I love what I saw. Anytime we see something positive, I love that. Keep growing in that area. You're incredible. We've got to speak that way. We've got to believe that way. Lastly, I want to talk to you about purity for a purpose. When I was early on in youth ministry, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I spoke about purity a lot because it was really the biggest area that God had to work in me, and so I was passionate about it and wanting to protect a younger generation that I saw coming up, but I didn't have an, there wasn't enough purpose behind it. It was a little bit too much about um, protecting your heart but not enough understanding what the purpose of all that was. And to understand that God has called you to this incredible journey and he wants to protect you so that you can have more fun than you could ever imagine in life. Amen? He's not asking you for your speech, your life, your love, your faith, and your purity just so you just kind of walk the line. It's not, it's not rules. It's relationship that he's after. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Whatsoever is pure, noble, true, right, lovely. Think about these things. We have to be willing when it comes to this topic of purity to be willing to say, God, I, anything that's important to your heart, I'm aligning myself with it. I want my mind protected. If I want to live on purpose, what happens up here would you agree that there's never been a generation before that's been tested more than this one in this area? There's more uh, awesome things at their fingertips and also crazy, weird, very wicked things within one click away. And so we need to be praying over them. We need to be speaking over them, encouraging them, sharing our stories. 
you were to ask a lot of the youth, they would tell you that I share the stories of the ways that God had to work through me. I'm very, Paul said, I'll brag all the more gladly about my weaknesses because then Christ's glory can rest upon me. I believe it's very important. I made a deal with God. I said, God, I'm never going to be quiet about the areas where you had to bring me through. I'm going to share them because I want them to know, one, that I'm nobody other than a crazy kid who just decided to start saying yes and letting him work, amen? Are you letting him work? Are you letting him stir? Psalms 119.9, how can a young person keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Funny how it always comes back to that. Flee from sexual immorality and all other sins that a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. I was thinking of the story of Samson, you know, a guy that was supposed to have incredible influence, but because of the area of purity, he, he was just really very limited. I mean, God, God helped him to finish well, but really the influence that he was supposed to have as a judge could have been incredible. Would you agree? But the enemy tricked him into giving up his strength. We have to take back our strength and say, God, everything I have, everything you've put inside me, I give it back to you. And I'm asking you to show me the areas where it's not pure. You know where the hardest one was for me? Looking at my motives. Even in my relationship with God, I had to let God purify my motives. I want to encourage you tonight as you're looking at these five things to say, God, I want a heart that is set on you. Where I have clean motives that all I want to do is bring as much glory to you as I can with my life. Graduates all over this room, greatest prayer you can pray right now. God, I don't know what I want to do right now, but all I know is I want to bring you as much glory as I possibly can. Would you help me to put my hand in yours? What did you create me for? Show me where to walk. It takes humility. It takes trust. It takes faith. Would you agree? Pray that prayer. Be bold with it. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I wanted him to see me. And I wasn't afraid for him to see the areas that were getting in the way. How badly do you want your vision fixed? Enough to be able to say, God, I just need you to know this is going on. Check this verse out. I love this, Colossians 3, 1 through 5. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to, get to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. I started to realize in my life that I was trying to manage my sin and manage my flesh. And God said, really what I want to do, Aaron, is like, you got to kill it. You don't manage flesh, you kill it. And when I started doing business with him like that and giving him full access, it was amazing how fast I healed. That's a word to some of you in here right now. No one knows what's going on. And God said, I'll heal you so fast, you don't even know what will happen. You'll, your heart will heal. It'll be amazing how you start to breathe, you start to see, you start to understand what he's called you to. But you've got to trust him. 
You have to be willing to flee. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee evil, pursue God, and do it with people that love God. I love that verse because it's easy to memorize, 2 Timothy 2.22. But I also think it's maybe one of the most potent verses in the Bible. Okay, God, I'm running from that, but I got to run to you, and I got to do it with some people who will pull me along the way. Amen? Would you guys stand with me tonight? Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. God, we, we come before you as a church family tonight saying, God, would you set our path? Would you set our feet? We honor you, Father. We honor our pastor, Tom and Jennifer. We're so grateful for them. God, we want to move with you in step with pure hearts, Father. Faith-filled hearts, full of love, living lives, God, that people see it in our community, in our family, and they go, I want to repeat that. I want to get on board. God, we want speech that honors you. God, would you come and would you just start to restore right now? Would you breathe on your your family tonight? I believe one of those is speaking powerfully to each one of you. I want to encourage you as we go into worship right now just to come forward and present yourself before the Lord and say, God, come. Nobody needs to know. It's just you and God. Would you heal my speech? I don't know how it got off. Maybe it's language, maybe it's just negativity, maybe it's gossip. God, I want you to heal my speech. God, I want to I wanna start to see in my life, God, something that my kids are wanting to repeat. That the people around me go, that's worth repeating. And I know there's some gaps. I know, God, tonight that there's some areas where I'm not loving you well and I'm not loving people well. And I'm asking you to restore that in me tonight. Come on. Let's let humility just flood this room tonight. What kind of level of desperation are we going to live at? Jesus, would you just start to speak to every person? Maybe, God, I'm asking you to increase my faith. God, I'm asking you to heal purity in my life. Maybe as a kid, it was robbed from me, and I want you to restore my innocence. You know that he will do it? I promise you, he can do it. He did it in me. Jesus, Jesus. As we sing, just start to move. It's important that our feet start to move and we present that temple. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and you present it back to God and say, God, as for this temple right here, I'm going to worship you and I'm going to honor you. And I'm going to watch you do something awesome in this season ahead. Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. I'm trusting you tonight in Jesus' name. Come on, let's just respond to the Holy Spirit now. Respond to the word. Father, come and draw your family. Hallelujah, Jesus.